Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Right Lane, a podcast of the Tampa Bay Times. Each week, Times reporter Lane DeGregory discusses her stories and answers your questions. The focus is on craft. My name is Maria Carrillo, and I'm the Enterprise Editor at the Times. This episode of Right Lane is sponsored by the Scripps Howard Awards. The Scripps Howard Foundation and Right Lane are collaborating to spotlight some of the best journalism of 2019. The awards show will be April 16th in Cincinnati. In the weeks ahead, we'll talk with some of the Scripps winners on this podcast. Today's topic, behind the prizes. So we're at the Pointer Institute where the Scripps Howard judging has been going on for the last couple of days. And we're talking to Tom French, who's on the faculty at Indiana University and a former uh, writer for the St. Petersburg Times, which is the Tampa Bay Times now. And we have here Len Downey, who was the former executive editor at the Washington Post and now on the faculty of the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism at Arizona State University. These guys helped judge the contest this year. Appreciate coming on board here. Lane, too, was a judge. Um, So we wanted to talk about this judging process. If you haven't been a judge, maybe sometimes you scratch your head and wonder why something you thought was a shoe-in doesn't win a prize and something that you never even heard of grabs the spotlight. It can be a mystifying process even when you're in it. So, um, yes, it's hard, right? How do you guys make these decisions? How do you approach fields where the the entries are so different? How, how How do you go about that? I always look for impact. I think that's uh, you know, one of the most important uh, purposes of American journalism is to uh, help citizens know more about what's going on around them and to make changes where change or to encourage changes where changes are necessary. And so I'm always looking for uh, for impact of stories. Now I, I've been in categories like investigative that where impact is so very important as opposed to others where perhaps other other things matter more. I look. I think impact is a great word. Um, I look for. A lot of times I'm judging human interest or features or those kinds of categories. And I think impact is actually equally important because we want to uh, be writing to be, you know, shining a light on work that that matters to to readers. And so the impact can be in your community and in the country. But also if the story has an impact on you personally, if you feel something along with your, your, your thinking it causes you to think, but also to feel. I think that's really important. I'm also looking for <clears throat> originality in this uh, in this day and age where uh, there's just so much information swirling around everywhere. Uh, it is. Uh, I, I'm looking for new contributions to that information, as opposed to simply picking up things that other people have already done. And that's particularly true in the investigative reporting area, where we see too many entries that piggyback on what other journalists have done or what lawyers have done as opposed to breaking brand new ground. I think for impact too, I think sometimes it's the stories that stick with you. You know what I mean? I, I read 48 stories for our entry and I thought the day I come here, what ones are in my mind still? You know, what do I remember and why? 
Are you guys thinking about the message that these winners will send? You know, like the, ch- the choice you've made is also going to say something to journalists today about uh, the kind of work that they should be doing? We actually had a very interesting discussion about that in the investigative reporting group. We had 114 entries. We had half a dozen alone from 60 Minutes, many from the New York Times, the Washington Post, places you would expect. And uh, when it came down to the final three, picking a winner and two finalists, one of our one of the considerations I raised was we didn't have a local newspaper in that final three. We had it in the final four. And we decided to make a decision to move one, one down and one up in order to encourage more uh, local reporting uh, because uh, th- that's so very important at this time when local journalism is losing a lot of resources, losing a lot of staff. And it's impressive, actually, amongst the entries how many local newspapers with greatly reduced staffs are devoting a disproportionate amount of those resources to investigative reporting. I'm an old investigative reporter. I encourage investigative reporting as a newspaper editor. So I'm really looking for that, um, for things that will encourage news organizations to continue to do that work. Yeah, I mean, the human interest category uh, in Scripps Howard is also known as the Ernie Pyle Award. And we actually talked uh, yesterday during the judging about Ernie Pyle's work and uh, as someone who teach it, went to school at Indiana University where Ernie Pyle went and now teaches there, and there's a statue of Ernie uh, out front at his typewriter in the, in the field, <laughs> um, his example is really important. And we talked about the kind of work that he did and the value he placed on going out into the field or into combat in the war and spending time with ordinary people who are trying to get through very difficult uh, circumstances. And so we, we obviously appreciated work where the reporters, whether they were from a small news organization or a large one, went out into the field and really, really immersed themselves in the lives of the people they were writing about. And that takes a lot of commitment on their part, a lot of patience. And there was a tremendous abundance of that in, in this year's entries. Did you have a lot of small papers entered in that one as well? We had some, yeah. How do you guys, you're working on a team with other judges, so um, describe a little that process. I mean, do you get swayed? Do you feel like you're swaying the conversation? I mean, does it depend on how passionate you are about a particular entry? We were talking earlier about criteria, impact and uh, readability and and, uh, uh, um, and originality and, and so on. And so we actually had a lot of discussions about exactly those sorts of things. There were some entries that were very powerful, but as I said, were, were somewhat uh, dependent on, on other sources of information that had come to the attention of these, uh, of these investigative journalists. They did outstanding work. We said, several times said, this is really important journalism. We're really glad it's been done, but it does not fit exactly our criteria for what ought to be the three top out of 114 entries. Did you all, all read all 114 or did you split it up and then give your top you know, three right. out of each or whatever. Right. We initially split it up, so we each had about 20, 25 to go through uh, and then pick out the what we thought were our five best and then advance those to the whole group. But at the same time, our chairperson was, was looking at the, was looking through the rejects to make sure that we weren't overlooking something that she thought should be brought to our attention. And then sometimes one of us would remember something that we had not advanced and we'd say, wait a minute, let's think about this again. And then we would all have to, all have to read that. Yeah, the process was very similar in human interest. We had 136 entries, very long, most of them. And uh, we split it up and then each put forth uh, some favorites. And then we kind of went back through what was left behind to make sure we weren't missing anything. 
And then we had a really good conversation, running conversation about it. And to go to your question, Maria, there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of respect between the people on the committees. And I, I mean, I heard some great arguments made by some of the other committee members that made me rethink right where I started out. And, um, you know, that's one of the things that's really important that Scripps Howard does here is they place really good people on these committees. And so you have a lot of help. I, I've been on juries where you just like sometimes somebody argues something that you hadn't, it suddenly changes <clears throat> the, your whole perspective on how Sorry. you view that. And then other times where they're like, wait, why is everyone so excited about this one? I feel like I'm on an <laughs> island. Right. Right. There were five of us judges in our group, for example. We made sure that everybody was always heard from for exactly that reason. Somebody might have been sitting there. We're a diverse group for one thing, but both in age and gender. Uh, and, uh, uh, so we would, uh, we was, somebody was being quiet while the rest of us were heading off in a certain direction. We would say, why haven't you spoken up? And when that person raised issues that they had, that often would change our minds about things. This, this is going to sound like a self-serving question, but I mean, when you're, do, you're judging and you're looking at these entries, um, can you tell the best edited ones? I mean, do you see the role that editing has played in a lot of these? Because I, you know, I just came off a judging thing too. And I was like thinking, oh my God, some of these need better editing. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't blame the reporter somehow. Well, you know, I work with young journalists, young student journalists at IU. And uh, some of them think they don't need an editor. Oh my God. But, um, <laughs> we, you know, my, my wife Kelly and I, she's also on the faculty. We, we, we disabuse, them of, disabuse them of that misconception very quickly because every reporter needs an editor, whether it's a great reporter like Lane needs your editing, Maria. Um, we all need, we know, we all need editors, a good editor. And that's a very hard job. I think actually being a good editor is harder than being a good reporter. Um, I did see a few that I thought a little bit more uh, ruthless uh, editing would have been useful, but I also saw some where the, where the editing and the editor's sensibility really melded beautifully with the reporters, and you could feel two very smart, compassionate people, their sensibilities at play together in those stories. It's also interesting because, of course, we have multimedia entries in investigative reporting, a lot of television entries, mm -hmm. for example. And not, not only would we have questions sometimes about, what, I guess it's called production rather than editing and television, but questions about why it was put together in the way that it was. Or when we saw collaborations between television and a, uh, and a, and a, and a web news organization, which we had several of, we, saw, we were disappointed by the television version of the story. And so we wondered, you know, what, what fell down there? Why, why wasn't it told better in the, in the TV portion of it? How much have you guys, what do you learn from judging? Do you feel like you get some interesting takeaways from doing this? You know, I, I always learn about uh, subject matter. Um, you know, what, what, what has been brought to my attention by these entries that I may have missed by not being able to read everything and see everything uh, all year long? And uh, since I teach investigative reporting, that's incredibly useful to me uh, to see new things that are being done uh, and, and lessons that are being to be learned of the, the, the use of the Freedom of Information Act and the number of news organizations, again, while facing some financial stress, who are taking the trouble and spending the money to, uh, to sue in order to get information that they need. A large number of our stories benefit from that, for instance, and that's something, that's something that reminded me of something I need to pay attention to in my teaching. I learned a tremendous amount from judging and um, both about subject matter or the stories that I missed or I didn't hear about, 
Um, but I also learn a lot about craft. And one of the things that hits me every time when I'm reading an entry is how important it is, and, and good editors and reporters know this, to get to the point, to not waste <laughs> your reader's time with you kind of clearing your throat. Um, a lot of uh, writers sometimes, I mean, I can remember sometimes early in my career where I made the same mistake. Uh, you know, we, we, we tend to too often fall in love with the sound of our voice. And a good editor helps you get over that quickly. Uh, because it's not about your voice. It's about the voices of the people you're chronicling. And um, good stories, powerful stories, don't waste the reader's time. They get right to it. And you see that over and over. I also learned a lot about the benefits of the digital revolution. We're always unhappy about the drawbacks of the digital revolution, uh, you know, false information and, uh, and the impact it's had economically in the news industry. But one of the things that I've learned this year was a particularly good example. And Lane can talk about this too, because we actually had a struggle over an entry that was in both of our categories that we both wanted to make finalists. And the, uh, one of the aspects of it, for the reason why this happened, was it, it's a wonderful use of multimedia. And I saw so many entries in which what five years ago would not have existed is using multimedia in ways that really enhance the reader and observer's uh, mastery of the material. And part of that entry, the the multimedia was actually investigative as well. Yes. I mean, there was yes. a lot of investigation right. that went into in making those graphics that. and stuff. Yeah. And another thing that I, I, I see over and over again, it's really useful to see really good work, a large sample of really, really good work, uh, as we did uh, here, and what what I see over and over again is humility, the power of humility, the reporter's absolute desire to understand, to learn, to to be open to learning things that he or she did not know before, which is. Re- hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Really, really important because we've all... Uh, encountered uh, stories or work where the the, the journalist or the, or whoever clearly thought they they went in with an idea an assumption and they just looked to support it, but really good work. There's a certain humility, like I don't know what I'm talking about, but I want to learn. I want to learn something new. If I can add something about a category outside the ones we were involved in, I was speaking this morning at breakfast with a judge in the photo photojournalism. Uh, part of the contest and uh, clearly she believes that one of the advantages of this content is to encourage continuation of good photojournalism at a time when photographers and photo editors are those being cut most in a lot of news organizations and so it's very valuable the winners of this will be a very valuable signal uh, that photojournalism is still vitally important and not just pictures that you add to a website so there's some kind of photograph there but true photojournalism because that's the one thing about contest rate is it kind of right. tells the rest of the world, here's what we think is good. Right. Here's what you should aspire to. And uh, I think that's a big responsibility. I felt like that when we were judging, you know. It sounds like you guys felt like it was a good year. Like you you came away feeling, uh, because, you know, I, I think one of the downsides of contests is you only get to pick three people, maybe, at your three projects. And, and I know that sometimes you're thinking about, oh, wow, you'd really love for 
the fourth or fifth or sixth or seventh place person to know that you know they, they, you held their work in really high regard. But it sounds like you had. You sounds like you guys felt like you had a good year of entries. Yeah, you you all like Maria and I have been in this business for decades. And how do you don't say it like that? <laughs> multiple <laughs> decades. <laughs> how how if at all do you think the quality of the submissions in this contest has changed over the years? Oh, I think it's constantly improving. I think that's one of the amazing things about what's going on currently in the enormous transformation of American news media is that the best work keeps getting better. Uh, the worry is that not enough work will get done because of the hollowing out of a lot of news organizations, but the very best work keeps getting better. It's taking advantage, as I said earlier, of, of you know, digital opportunities, uh, of, of being able to, uh, one of the entries was a, uh, took advantage of, uh, of a leak of the, uh, of, a, of the internal documents that the Chinese uh, were using for these camps uh, that they were putting Uyghurs in, in, uh, in northwestern China. And uh, that wouldn't have been possible without the Internet before. And it wouldn't have been possible to check out the validity of those, to do the translations as rapidly as they were done. So there are a lot of ways in which the best journalism is better than ever. And also there's a real dedication within the industry to journalism that makes a difference, which pleases me. One of the things that I, I'm struck by reading through the entries that I think is a, a real shift in journalism is that it's clear when I read the uh, human interest stories that there is a deeper appreciation for the power of investigation. Yes. And when I read investigative stories across the country, there's a deeper understanding of the importance of making those stories human and really bringing in elements to make the reader care. And, you know, the best journalists out there understand the power of both. If you think about David Barstow, formerly at the New York Times, or Kate Boo, formerly at the Washington Post, they're both incredible investigative reporters, but also incredibly skilled at human reporting and making the, the reader care about what they're so reporting on. You see more of a marriage happening. I do see a, more of a marriage, yeah. and I think that's a really good thing. We, we're talking about <clears throat> storytelling, which is interesting, because it used to be, since I've been in this business many decades, this was brought up, you used to talk about writing. And we, we corrected ourselves while we were going through these investigative projects. No, we're looking at storytelling. So some of it's writing, some of it's the video, some of it's the multimedia, some of it's the photography. It's how you tell the story. And what we're doing right now, podcasts are another example of new kinds of storytelling. And uh, there probably should be a podcast category, actually, <laughs> in this contest now. What does, uh, do you guys weigh the cover letter at all? I mean, how, how important is a cover letter? It's an introduction. It's like shaking hands with somebody and exchanging names and where you know where you work, what your background is, and uh, so it, it, it's a, it's an introduction to the material in case it's something you never heard of before. But after that, it's all about the material. I, I like the way the the letter essentially tells you what the news organization intended for the story to achieve, and then you can Just, read the work or listen to it or watch it and see if they actually right. how, they how well they pulled that off. Right. So it's it's intent. I think helps to know that. And in a category like investigative, one of the things we are looking for is, is uh, impact. You know, what's, what's changed as a result? And the letter's often a guide to that. And then, that. and then we looked in the, in the body of the work to see if that's backed up or not. I used to write those letters for years and years on end for contests. And it's, it's hard work to do exactly, you know, to, to make that introduction properly and to give a, a, a good idea of what we set out to do and, and what we think we accomplished. I, I, my big takeaway from the letters was how much resources went into it. It was really interesting for me to, to see what they did devoted in terms of time and manpower and money and Just everything for else. Just context. Right. Yeah. 
Does length play into your decision-making at all, in either in terms of like, okay, it, it's a sign of how much time and energy they put into it, or sometimes maybe it's a sign of how they should have put more time and energy into it? Why are you all maybe. looking at me when we're talking about We didn't have a short feature category. I've just found, just like kidding. judging this year too, there, there was a lot of length, um, and there was a lot of um, where I thought, uh, again, kind of coming back to some of the editing, where it just felt like, it could have been done in a, in a, a more concise fashion. Yeah. I, I, I'm always looking for, no matter what the actual length of the story is, does it go on too long? Cause I've read 10 inch stories that are too long and I've read yeah, hundred exactly. inch stories that are too long and you know, you or want too short or too short and yeah. you want every word to count no matter what the length. And when you know, when you're reading a longer piece, one of the ways you know that it's good is you're unaware of how long it is. You just, you're drawn in, What's in, what you're reading is important and it's powerful and it has meaning to you. And before you know it, it's over. That's a good story. One of our best pieces was one of the longest ones. It was a series of pieces. It was very, very long and it was mm -hmm. completely engaging. You couldn't stop reading it, even though it took a long time to do so. A number of other pieces uh, clearly could have been edited down. You look for repetition. You look for unnecessary examples once you've already had enough examples. You know, one more 35-year-old man who did this is, you know, too many. Uh, so it, it just depends on the story. And that goes back to your editing question, whether or not an editor's done a good enough job of finding the right length for that particular piece. We had a lot in multimedia that seemed like it was um, overlapping. You know, you would read something in the story, and then you would watch the video, and it was the same thing. And it was like that... To me, that could have been. I think that's one of our challenges better. moving forward because I think we've we've fallen into that trap mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, so you guys talked about some of the things you're looking for: the impact, original originality, readability. How do you compare two projects that are very different in approach and style? I mean, you're obviously those are things that you those are categories, but um, two really successful projects, but they're just completely different. What gives the edge to one or the other? The, those things we've talked about. Anything else that you guys look for? Well, the three finalists in our category actually all were quite different, uh, very different. So, um, again, we're looking for originality, impact. Is this something that the world uh, should know that doesn't know uh, that might make a difference or has may already made a difference? And, uh, you know, the, the, the style of it, you know, one was just, you know, uh, uh, constant reporting on a subject by two local newspapers working together uh, and, uh uh, so it was just um, ordinary, it looked like ordinary newspaper journalism, whereas another uh, outstanding entry was this multimedia, long story, uh, deeply researched. It was like it was like a book. It was like a book that had come alive on your, on your computer screen. So they couldn't have been quite that different from each other, and yet they were both among our finalists. But so, and so it was sounded like it was almost purposeful to pick things that were very different. Or did you just, yeah, no, it just not, it worked out that way? It just worked out that way because of the importance of the stories themselves. I think one thing that's really helpful to remember is the absolute unfairness of being asked to pick <laughs> a winner from among or yeah. two finalists yeah. from all this great work. Right. And I think you have to make your peace uh, with the fact that some great work is not going to end up in that final trio. And it's it. I say make your piece like it's easy. It's not because you, there's a lot of great work. You want to be able to recognize all of it, but that's the nature of contests. I should say that the Scripps Howard contest is wonderfully run in a way in which sometimes things are entered in more than one category, and uh, so sometimes you'll spot something that you really wish could be in your final three that fits in another category. Maybe it'll be in their final three, and we have discussions about that 
with the other judges. And sometimes they get moved and they get recognized when they wouldn't have been recognized otherwise. Lane's not bitter or anything. That she, yeah, it sounds oh, like yeah, you guys had some horse training. <laughs> we did. <laughs> we did. People, a lot of people entered a lot of stories in, in multiple yes. categories yes. too. Yeah. In fact, that was one of the questions that was asked whether that uh, that uh, multiple category hmm. entering ought to be allowed or not. But I remember from all my years as editor of the Post that it was important to be able to enter in more than one category, say with the Pulitzers or with the Scripps Howard, because some of the categories, you, the, the stories straddled them, and they may well get a better reception in one category than the one you thought was best. Did you all see themes um, in your entries that, in terms of um, content? or Yes. What, what were some of the themes that emerged? Well, unfortunately uh, for our psyches, uh, a main theme that ran through a number of the entries in ours was child abuse of all different kinds. Child abuse. Online, in a, in a uh, reform school, in churches. It was really it was, uh, depressing, actually, going through a lot of those entries. They were so powerful and so many, so many children suffering. How about you, Tom? Were the uh, yes, there were in the in, in our category there was a tremendous uh, theme of um, healthcare and Amer- Americans trying to figure out a way to, to to take care of themselves and pay for it and uh, and very often the system failing them. There was a lot of attention to race, um, a very in a, a, a wide in a wide from a wide vector of approaches. Um, you know, some of it was just beautiful, uh, whether it was about people who lived a century ago who had been forgotten, uh, or whether it was about people right now in the middle of this very divisive time in our nation's history uh, trying to find a way across that divide or to live in, with that divide. So I think, I think race was a, a very important theme come, that came up a lot. Another interesting observation is there was very little corruption this year. No, you know, uh, corporate corruption, uh, civic corruption. There was very, very little of that uh, among all the wrongs that were being addressed in these entries. Do you think we just didn't catch them or was that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Or maybe the focus has been shifted to other subjects, but yeah, it was, it, it was notable. And Lane, you had climate change. We had right? a lot of climate change and we had a lot of immigration. Um, those seem to be two themes. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, I, I was a little torn because it was like, it was so interesting to see seven different stories on climate change. You know, how do you approach that all these different ways? But it was also subject fatigue after a while. Uh, you know, you had to be really surprising me by that seventh story. because. It was, right. But I, I, I know Scripps Howard this year had picked climate change as their yes. theme. So maybe that was also that part of it. Moment. They had a whole separate category for right. climate change too. But I'm, I'm always torn um, as a still working journalist about, do I try to go to these topics that I know everyone's talking about or do I totally avoid those because everyone else is talking about them, you know, and what, do you have advice for people entering contests about what they should be thinking about topic wise? Well, you know, again, in all the years that I was in charge of or what we decided to enter in contests, I was just looking for our best work, our absolutely best work. And to some extent, again, being an investigative journalist, you know, stories have really made a difference, but not all categories are for that, but just looking for our very best work and then see what happens. I, I try, we tried not to game contests. Try not to game it. I would second that. You just you're just trying to find the best work. You're trying to do the do the best work you can, and then once it's done and published or posted, you're trying to figure out okay, what what really had that impact or that that kind of resonance with outside the newsroom. Okay, thanks you guys for being with us. If uh, anyone out there has a question for anyone on the podcast or you'd like to suggest a topic, please email it to writelane at tampabay.com. That's W R I T E 
L-A-N-E at TampaBay.com or find us on our Facebook group. Join us next week on Wednesday morning for the next podcast. This podcast was produced by Allison Graves. Music was composed and performed by Dan DeGregory. Thanks for listening. 